Hello and welcome to John's Author Diary for the week ending March the 11th, 2018. I've had an interesting week. I managed to finish the first draft of Blind Gambit. So I've let that settle for a few days before I go back to the rewrite tomorrow. Now I know that what I've got at the moment is an unpublishable mess. It's essentially a bit like a messy screenplay. There's very little in the way of description. And on a sentence level, the thing is going to suck completely. But what I can do now is rewrite what I've got. It feels so much easier to work with something than nothing. So I'm really looking forward to starting that tomorrow, getting the words the way I want them. So that should probably take me a few weeks to do. I think I mentioned last week that I was going to be meeting the organiser of the Morecambe Steampunk Festival about doing something for the event. And after speaking to the organiser over a I think it was about three coffees. We came up with the idea that I'd be writing a story, especially for the event. I'd be debuting it there. It'd be a steampunk story set in Morecambe. And at the moment, I'm thinking of setting it in a kind of alternative 19th century, maybe having some kind of Cthulhu-type creature, some kind of eldritch god lurking beneath the sands of the bay and having some crazy madcap inventor maybe come up with a solution. I don't know yet. I'm still thinking through the ideas. I'll give it a brainstorm over the next few weeks and see what I'll come up with. As well as the Steampunk Festival, I was also invited to do a reading, which I've just done at the end of the Pier Festival in Morecambe. And so what I did is I did the story and recorded it on my phone. So I'll put that at the end of the podcast so you can hear the reading that I did earlier of my short story, which is in my collection, Host and Other Post-Apocalyptic Tales. Now, I think there's a lot of benefit for authors to read their stuff out loud in front of an audience because it's very easy to get kind of lost in your own little bubble as a writer. And so getting out there, doing it in front of people helps you figure out what works, what doesn't. And I find it a really useful way to improve my work. I finished reading a novel, The Grim Company, by Luke Skull this week. This was a grim, gritty fantasy story. Now, this is a weird one because this is one of those books where there was nothing that grabbed me, nothing that was that amazing about it. But now I really want to read book two. So there's obviously something about what he was doing and the characters or something like that that makes me really want to continue with that series. Now, that is something that I need to work out because that is a great thing for an author to be able to do. I don't know whether it's about pacing or I don't know whether it's about the characters, but there's just something about that world that I want to go back to. I will do that as soon as I finish the current novel that I'm on, which is called The Watchmaker of Filigree Street, which so far seems to be a little bit of a alternative history, steampunk-ish, 1870s London. There's a lot of clockwork things and a lot of magic going on at the edges. So I'll see how that goes. I'm about a quarter of the way through and I'm not really sure where the story's going yet, if it's going anywhere, so we'll see what happens. Again, I read another really cool Philip K. Dick story. I think this is an ongoing pattern that's happening at the moment. This one was called The Hanging Stranger and it was about a man who noticed a body hanging from a noose in the street and people just going around their everyday business not really being alarmed by this corpse hanging from a lamppost. And throughout the story, the man who sees the corpse gets more alarmed and realises that it's actually the signifier of a larger conspiracy that aliens are taking over and that they're using these bodies to try and bring out the people who aren't under their control and again it's got another one of those gut punch endings that philip k dick is so great at so another good story it's in the electric dreams collection i'm gradually going through this and i'm really enjoying it so do check that out be well worth the effort to do that as well as the reading and writing stuff i've got my story clockwork titan now up for pre-order and the final edit, Dawn and Proofread. So that comes out on March the 19th. 
it's a nice little tale set within the same world as stories like My Her Name Was Red and Basilisk on a Yellow Field and Armour and things like that. I had the great experience this week of getting more covers for future projects. Now, I order my book covers in advance basically just to make sure that I write the book because if I don't have a cover, then I've almost got an excuse not to do it. Whereas if I have got a cover, then it's quite a bit of money that I've spent for nothing. So if I've got the cover, I'll write the book. So I've got one for book four of the Wasteland series and I'm really impressed again with what the designer has done. I've also got a book for the first in my epic fantasy series that is still to be written that I've not even outlined yet. I've got ideas, I've got the outlines for a character and just kind of broad points about the main stories. But this is the one that I've been world building for years. So I've got a really detailed world and events and magic system and things like that. So now I've got the cover, I'm definitely, definitely going to write it. So it's going to take a while because it's going to be a big chunk of words. So I'm expecting to get started with that maybe in the last quarter of this year. What I did as well with the cover for the fantasy series is I got my designer to change some of the colours and put the title of her name was Red on. So I've now got a really high quality cover for my short story collection. So I've now uploaded that and I'm hoping that that will bring more attention to the collection because it has done really well in terms of reviews, maybe not so much in terms of people actually buying it. So I've had no questions this week. If you want to send a question, it's john at johncronshaw.com. That's J-O-N-C-R-O-N-S-H-A-W. Remember, you can find me on Twitter. It's at J-L-Cronshaw. And you can find me on Facebook. It's John Cronshaw Author. Now keep listening after the end of this diary if you want to hear my story to grip the bright white chains that I read a few hours ago live in Morecambe. So until next time, cheerio. Grip the bright white chains. The ocean reflected a sky, the colour of hung meat. Elsie coughed as a chill wind changed direction, bringing with it the stench of washed-up fish. She turned as a boy shuffled towards her with purple-rimmed eyes. The boy looked like every other addict, dishevelled, dirty, desperate, dead. He was beyond saving. The boy crouched, then swung a grubby rucksack from his shoulder. He got the players. Elsie nodded. Three caps. I assume you've got what I asked for? The boy looked up at her as he unfastened the rucksack. This stuff wasn't easy to get hold of. She pursed her lips and glowered at the boy. A deal's a deal. If you want the caps, fine, fine. The boy scratched his hair and laid the items out on the mottled concrete. A smile crept over Elsie's face, real, unopened. She knelt down on creaking knees to touch the pair of tins. This is good work, but I asked for a brush. The boy groped inside his rucksack for several seconds and then pulled out a paintbrush. It's the best I could find. He handed Elsie the brush with trembling fingers. It was sticky to the touch and coated with long-dried drips of paint. She placed the brush into her shopping trolley, tucking it between a roll of polythene and a coil of blue rope. The boy lifted the tins into the trolley and stood before her. She dropped three Plazera capsules into the boy's outstretched hand. He nodded, turned and ran. She shook her head and sighed as the boy disappeared beyond the seawall. Pushing a trolley, Elsie looked across the water, slick with oil and algae. The trolley's wheels squeaked and snagged on stones and discarded plastic as it clattered along the promenade. Turning left, 
She pushed a trolley along a street lined with boarded up and barricaded terraced houses. She thought about the boy and about the drugs. He would feel wonderful for a day at most, and then he'd be back on the streets, stealing and whoring, each day bringing him closer to a certain death. The demand was there. The demand was always there. She told herself that it was best for the drugs to come from her. Turning right, Elsie walked down an alleyway and shouldered her way backwards through a gate, closing it behind her. She gripped the trolley as she regained her breath, feeling the twinge in her back. She lifted the tins from her trolley. She surveyed her months of work. Bees buzzed around her while she inspected a bed of chrysanthemums, red and pink blooms swaying gently with the breeze, their fragrance tickling her memories, reminding her of carefree, more playful times. She walked over to her bench and ran a finger along its framing of curled wrought iron, glossy and black and detailed with twists of ivy. Varnish slats creaked as they took her weight and Elsie looked over at the strawberry plants crawling up the wall. The berries were weeks from ripening. The tins were the finishing touch. Rummaging through a trolley, Elsie found a flat-headed screwdriver and used it to lever open the first lid. She lingered on the old, familiar smell, a fresh smell that she had not experienced for many, many years. She wiped the brush with a cloth and dipped it into the white gloss paint, brilliant and gloopy. Satisfied, she watched the paint fall in slow, deliberate drips from the brush and back into the tin. Dragging the tin over to the first pole, she set to work applying the paint, grinning as it clung skin-like to the rust. She looked up at the chains hanging from the crossbeam and painted them too. She worked until the sky went dark and the air dropped cold. She rushed to her garden early the next morning to see the paint had dried. Her work was complete. She stepped out through the gate as the sun emerged in the hung meat sky and approached a pair of children begging on a corner, a boy and a girl no older than eight, I've got something to show you, Elsie said. The children stared back at her and scowled. Piss off, the girl said. You'll like it, I promise. The children exchanged furtive glances and rose to their feet. The boy regarded Elsie for a long moment before nodding to the girl. OK, but if you try anything funny... The boy patted a blade on his belt. Elsie led the way and the children followed. She opened a gate and welcomed the children into her garden, their garden. Whenever you feel sad, whenever you feel desperate, I want you to come here. If you ever feel tempted by Plez, come here instead. This is your sanctuary. This is for us, the boy asked. For you, for any child who needs to feel safe. The children smiled. What's that do? The girl gestured past Elsie. I'll show you. It's perfectly safe. She signalled for the girl to sit on the wooden seat and to grip the bright white chains. Hold on, Elsie walked behind the girl. She pushed her and the girl swung up and back, up and back. Elsie felt the girl stiffen for a moment. Then the girl laughed. Then the boy joined in. Elsie wiped a teal. It had been a long time since she'd heard the laughter of children.